Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, presented by Game On Wisconsin. Jamal Williams, I consider him a friend. It's not a rivalry if the other team doesn't win. Now, in the Game On Wisconsin studios, here's your host, Jacob Westendorf. Game on Wisconsin is brought to you by Artech Ventures. The goal at Artech Ventures is to collaborate closely with founders throughout all the investment and fundraising stages, turning their visions into successful companies. Since 2020, Artech Ventures has helped turn great ideas into profitable businesses that make an impact on industries, communities, and beyond. Visit artechventures.com for more info. That you can, and welcome everybody to the show. This is the Pick Six Podcast. I am your host. Live in the Game on Wisconsin studios, I am Jacob Westendorf. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. It's rivalry week, or so they claim. And I am joined. I am here to pick a peck of pickled peppers. So I have the Pied Piper of Packers Twitter, (laughs) Peter Bukowski, he of Locked On Packers, The Leap, Locked On Today, and something with Bovada, whose name escapes me at the moment. But Peter, did I get everything? Welcome to the show. I think so. Buko's Best Five is the name of the series on on Bovada, and I, I I've think... lost a ton of money on that disaster. So do not watch this. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think honestly, this is an appropriate week uh, to call me the Pie Piper of something. It's not Packers Twitter. I think it's Bears Twitter. I, no one follows me like Bears Twitter. That's that's the wild thing about that. When I pitched this idea to you, was Peter? It's Bears Week. I need the father of bears Twitter (laughs) on the show. Can you, let's start there. I know we only are supposed to have six topics, but I feel like this is appropriate. How the hell did you become public enemy? Number one, like there are friends of mine in Rockford, Illinois, where I'm based that go, ah, fuck that guy. I'm like, no, trust me. Like, trust me. He's a really nice dude. I promise. But they hate you. They listen, they do. I get, I get uh, messages semi-regularly from people that are like, Hey, on 670 the score they are dragging you right now and like I, what am i supposed to do it started <laughs> calling um, <into> the show <laughs> that would i should do that um i started i think it started in 20 2018 was that is that right is that the is that the one year they had that was like fine over the last decade is that was that the one that I'm am I, am I talking about it the would, right that one that would be I believe the year that uh Ron Wolf would probably affectionately refer to as a fart in the wind at this point yes <laughs> yes they, they won the division and double doinked their way out of the playoffs right yes. and so I had some thoughts on it and I I had I had a little tweet thread I the funny thing dude is like I, I happened to be in Florida at the time. And I, I'm sure I'd had like a couple, two tree Coronas in the words of Charlie Barron's. And like, I, I, I don't know. I felt like getting the tweet off and I said, you know, outside of the Khalil Mack trade, which like five other teams wanted to do the, the Ryan Pace era has been like pretty shaky. And that was the tweet that sent everyone in a tizzy. And then it became, oh, well all this stuff. And then when the Adrian Amos thing happened, the bears bears, Twitter came after me and it, it has been funny because since then I've, I've basically been right about 
all the stuff um with with like the 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 lone thing bears fans act like i'm wrong all the time the the one thing they always bring up is that i like dexter williams more than david montgomery pre-draft but like if pre-draft evals is the one thing you have like i'm gonna be good i'm, I'm gonna be wrong plenty on the draft and i understand that and that's fine um everyone is um even the best gms bat like 280 on the draft so whatever so that is how that works. Amplified certainly by the Adrian Amos thing. And I just, uh, whatever. Which I, which I was right about. You know, you and a lot of other people. And the Khalil Mack thing to me, that's Ryan Pace's version of John Lynch and Nick Bosa. It's like, okay, 100%. Congrats, <laughs> congratulations. You did what literally everyone else in the league was <laughs> right. going to do. Good for you, <laughs> right. Ryan Pace. Congratulations. Yeah, I don't I don't have that level of hatred. I just have some people that I silently disagree with on a few things. Yours is very public. So I give you credit for having that patience. I listen, I actually really like um, the Bears fans that are willing to engage on the level with this stuff. I have a couple that follow me and and will ask like, hey, honestly, what do you think about X, Y, Z? Um, and I, I appreciate those people. I appreciate anyone who's who's willing to engage in a football argument on its merits um, but I also appreciate anyone who is willing to have a little fun because sometimes, and you know this about me, sometimes I just like to throw a little chum in the water. I just like to, to like throw the red meat in the lion cage and watch them freak out because, it, because they do, because they <laughs> just, they just go so nuts. And you know, the people who are like, okay, you got us, but like, you know, it's fine. Like. I, I, I always like that part of it too. Like we have to have some fun with these rivalries or what are we doing? Like this is a nine and three team this week against a four and eight team this week. They're, the Packers are almost two touchdown favorites. We were talking about the, the, the matchups. We're going to talk about Devontae Adams getting covered by Jalen Johnson. Like why, why we do it? Why would we do that? I, I, I presumably we're not going to do that. Like let's have some fun at least. And that we can, and there's a lot of fun, unfortunately, for the Bears to be had at their expense. Like you mentioned, they're, uh, the since the Khalil Mack trade, they've won uh, one time uh, against the Packers. They've won one game against the Packers since the Khalil Mack trade. Zero times since Adrian Amos signed in Green Bay, which leads me to believe that Adrian Amos is the sole reason for that. It kind of makes you think a little bit, I guess. You could say so. Let's start there. You want to put throw a little meat in the cage? The easiest way to do that these <laughs> days with Bear fans is Justin Fields, the current Hall of Famer, the first quarterback to ever be inducted into the Hall of Fame without taking so much as a snap and yep. having all of one game of 200 yards passing to his name. So kudos to Justin Fields for being in the Hall of Fame. Uh, very much appreciate it. I always said I'm destined to hate this guy. Uh, he plays for the Bears, which doesn't help. And of course, as an Ohio State Buckeye, the, the runner-up, uh, in the Big Ten East this year, the Ohio State Buckeyes, which I feel like I have to throw that dig in there while I can until next year when Ohio State inevitably smashes Michigan in the horseshoe, which I'm sure is coming for me. So I'm going to take my medicine now while I can on those side of things. Did, but, did you know Did you know that there is a loud contention of Bears fans that want Jim Harbaugh as the next coach of the Bears? Oh, I would hate that so much because I like Jim Harbaugh. So I want to be able to root for Jim Harbaugh. But that's not surprising. He used to play there. He's tough. He's gritty. He's bear fans around this area. I always like to use the phrase Chicago tough. And like, if the coach isn't Chicago tough, then he's not worth. So that's why they hated Mark Tressman eventually and loved John Fox at the beginning. And then obviously John Fox was John Fox and challenging <laughs> plays that turn into turnovers for his team. And Oh my God, the best doing John, the maybe one of my favorite moments in the history 
of this quote unquote rivalry, but Justin Fields may play this week. He may not. Andy Dalton might be the starter. If he's not my question to you, does it even matter? No, no. And uh, it, and why it, not? It, it, <laughs> it matters. It, it matters in this way, right? It matters because if Justin Fields plays, it's another opportunity for him to play against the Packers and presumably he is going to be the guy for the next four or five years at least. We don't know beyond that because we just haven't seen enough to say he's he didn't have a Justin Herbert rookie season despite him already being in the Hall of Fame, which is a credit to him. Congratulations. Um, I hope they got your your jacket size right. And I hope the bust doesn't look like Cristiano Ronaldo's. Um, but the the idea that it matters in the outcome of the game, it doesn't. Andy Dalton is a is a bad quarterback. And Justin Fields right now, for as talented as he is, and I thought he was a better prospect than than Zach Wilson, who I always have called Kyle Wilson. Um, and I thought he was a better prospect than Mac Jones. That might turn out to just be wrong because Mac Jones might be legit good. Um, I, it, it, he's not a good player right now. Right now, he's not a good player. And one throw I've never seen, I've never seen a player who can make one throw and ignite not just Bears Twitter because Bears Twitter is full of people who have delusions of grandeur that would make Han Solo blush. Like this is, it, it is, incredible to see football Twitter freak the fuck out when he does anything, even baseline good. And like the throw he made to a wide open receiver early in the season on leak guys wide open. And everyone's like, that's the Justin field era. It's like that play call is in every Shanahan offense in the league. For some reason, except Green Bay's, I don't know why they haven't run leak in two and a half years. Explain it to me like I'm five, Jacob. I, I don't understand it. Uh, but it it ultimately in this game, it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're both right now, they're both bad. Maybe they'll maybe fields will become good, but I've often said this, as you know, most rookies are bad. And Justin Fields has he's just not been good. And by NFL quarterback standards, he's not a good quarterback. No, he's not right now. And that doesn't mean he won't be, but he's right. definitely not right now. You mentioned leak. There was another play where he rolled to his left and it was a nice throw against Detroit. I believe was the, was the oh, game where he yeah. rolls to his left. Who else could make this throw? Like 25 quarterbacks. Like right. the throw you mentioned on leak, Jimmy Garoppolo makes that throw. Nobody's crowning Jimmy Garoppolo. He makes that throw once a week. Exactly. So those kinds of things happen all the time. I have, I had Justin Fields as the second best quarterback in this draft behind only Trevor Lawrence. So I, I liked him, him as a prospect. So I liked him as a prospect, but with Andy Dalton, the bears are the worst passing offense in the NFL. On the contrary with Justin Fields as the quarterback, they're also the worst passing offense <laughs> in the NFL. So <laughs> while I understand, and I do, Allen Robinson looks to be a shell and he might even be washed at this point. I honestly he, don't know. He, he might be washed. He might be washed. He's banged up, may not even play. Darnell Mooney's a nice player. Cole Komet is... <laughs> Jimmy Graham is Jimmy Graham, but 85 years old. They have a nice running back tandem with Khalil Herbert and yep. David Montgomery. And their offensive line stinks. I understand the situation's not the greatest. That being said, it is funny to me that you mentioned it wasn't just bears Twitter. Good morning football, which I realize has two bears fans on it. Yeah. But good morning football is talking about how 
Why aren't they playing Justin Fields? You're wasting your time with Andy Dalton. This team could be good playoffs with Justin Fields. And then Fields plays against Cleveland, stinks, gets sacked a lot, and it's he's not ready. Justin Fields isn't ready. Well, what changed from a week ago when he was ready to take the league by storm? And that's the All other right, thing. So if 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 we if we extricate this from Bears homerism, because any Chicago fan listening to this is going to go, these are two Packers fans and they're homers, and so who cares what they say? The same exact thing happened in San Francisco when they drafted Trey Lance. And Trey makes that crazy throw in preseason and he has a couple runs. Everyone's like, oh, the Kyle Shanahan, the offense that they could run and his talent. And I had him as QB2. I thought he was a top three kind of talent all day. I I was annoyed that San Francisco did the right thing, in my opinion, and took him with, with the picks that they traded up for. Although in retrospect, they probably would have been smarter sticking at 12, taking Mac Jones and playing him. They could probably be you know, the, the three or four seed right now, everyone acted like this is the missing piece. If he can, Ooh, if he can play by mid season, it's like, he's a one-year starter. I think he's 21. Like the, the idea that he was ever going to be ready as a rookie. Trevor Lawrence is a generational quarterback prospect, but playing on a dog shit team, he's had no chance with urban Meyer I'm sure you you take absolutely no no pleasure I, at all in watching Urban Meyer fail. What a bummer to watch that guy fall backwards. It's, it's really a shame. Never, it's never really a shame. A that guy, you know. Um, but uh, the idea that like this, the, the, any rookie quarterback is going to come in and change the fortunes of your team, just not true. I, I think the thing about about young quarterbacks is if they don't play and they're not playing behind an all time great, or in the case of Patrick Mahomes, just like. Uh, an established incumbent, we go, mm, chances are they're probably not very good. Like if Blake Bortles couldn't have beat out Chad Henney, we'd have had a lot of questions. It turns out Blake Bortles sucked anyway, but he was good enough to win that starting job and deserved to win that starting job. Derek Carr was not supposed to be the starter, but he played well enough. And now he, you know, he's a, he's a pretty good NFL quarterback. Justin Fields. I think it's, I think it's been borne out. Just, he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. And I don't know if if there's a better way to get ready than than playing. So maybe he should have been playing. But when I looked at this team, it never made sense to me that the people were like, oh, they're a 10-win team, an 11-win team. They could be a playoff team. Like, no, they just didn't have the talent. They didn't have the back-end talent on the defense. They're putting in a new defense this year. Um, and then the, the skill talent just never, never scared me, never made sense to me that a rookie quarterback and or Andy Dalton would be good with it. Um, all that being said, like, you know, this is going to get clipped to death if the Packers lose, but I don't think they're going to. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you on a lot of those things. One thing I will say, and, and we'll close the book on, on Justin Fields versus the Red Rifle, and that is the one worry I would have if I were a Bears fan, and thank God I'm not, but one worry I would have. You mentioned it. That roster stinks. It's bad. And, and what we're going to do, or what the Bears fans are going to do all offseason is sell you. They fired Matt Nagy. They hired Mark Tressman or John Fox or whoever the next head coach in Chicago is. And that's going to fix everything. The roster's not good. They're going to be minus Khalil Mack, most likely. Minus Akeem Hicks. and Maybe, maybe minus Allen Robinson. Probably minus, I would put that in the probably category, minus yeah. Allen Robinson. And they have four picks. That's it. 
it's not like they're going to be able to go out and like sign Devontae Adams and another free agent receiver and put them around Darnell Mooney and say, okay, now we got fields and these backs and these receivers and let's roll. They're not going to have that. I don't know how they build a roster around Justin Fields. They, they have, they have like 26 players, I think under contract next year and 40 million in cap. Yeah. And that's, not, so how do you, money. how do you build a roster at a million dollars a pop? That money's now gone. Right. And they're going to give up a top, what, 10 pick to the Giants for Justin, which if Justin Fields is good, that trade is worth it. And you do it 10 times out of 10. Understand that. I've made the same argument about Jordan Love. That fourth round pick won't mean anything to anybody if Jordan Love is good. or And the the Giants will screw up that pick anyway. So There's also that. So you're not going to feel too bad about those things. But I don't know how they're going to build that roster around the young quarterback. And you look at, it's not an Ohio State thing. I'm not helmet scouting here, but... You watch Dwayne Haskins have a lot of the same issues that Justin Fields has had in the pros. And then you watch CJ Stroud, who they play Oregon, they play Michigan, and those two teams take away Stroud's first read and his first, his instinct is one read, then panic. Same with Haskins. And it looks right now in the NFL to be same with Fields. And that's normal because like you said, most rookies aren't very good. Right. But I am curious to see how they're going to build that roster in front of him. Moving. Can we close the book on the bad team? Let's Let's do it. Let's talk about a good team. The good team is the Green Bay Packers. They're nine and three. They're one game behind the Arizona Cardinals, whom they own the tiebreaker over for the number one seed in the NFC. To use Peter's word of the week, there is no hegemonic team in the (laughs) NFC this year. It's not a team that you're like, oh my God, they're unbeatable. We can't go there and beat them. Arizona is not that team. Tampa Bay is not that team. But the number one seed, I just got finished talking to Marcos Valdez Scantling before we came on this show. That's my subtle flex for the number one podcast uh, in Packers Twitterverse. <laughs> but he said the one seed's important. They have a really good chance at getting all the way to the Super Bowl if all their games are at home. And I say that knowing that last year they had a home NFC championship game and, and blew it. That's, I don't, you will never convince me that the Bucks are a better team last year than the Packers were. I think the Packers just didn't play well. Aaron Jones didn't play well. Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers didn't play well till it was 28-10. I can go down the line. We don't need to relive the game today. As we record, it's Tuesday. You talked to Aaron Schatz of football outsiders outsiders and said something along the lines of why the one seed was important. So why in your estimation, is it more important this year than maybe even it was a year ago? Well, it's, it's, it's more important because there is no hegemonic team and because that team is not green Bay. So even if, if that team existed and it were green Bay, you'd be like, well, who cares? But that's not the situation. And, I, you know, I, I hate that this is something that we have to bring up. But COVID can make this all weird in a second. And so I know injuries are part of the game, but that that is that's football. Everyone has to deal with injuries and, and everyone has to deal with COVID, too. But you could have someone who tests positive, Jordan Love tests positive this week, and, and be out for, for no football reason, not because of anything that happened on the field. And so I, I think that creates a little bit more uncertainty in all of this too. Now, I, I wrote for the leap earlier this week that the one seed is is more important. I think it's more important for seeding purposes than anything else because if the Packers are the two and the Eagles are the seven or the Washington football team are the seven, like I don't think they're going to have any problem beating those teams in Lambeau. But there's, I think, there is the rest factor. 
Now this team luckily is, is having this late buy this week, 13 buy, I think makes it easier to say, okay, if they have to play in the wild card, they're going to be more rested than a lot of these teams were. Um, but at the same time, when, when there is this much uncertainty being that two seed or that three seed versus being the one and then getting to play the four, if everything holds to form, right? There's a big difference, I think, and Packer fans are going to feel it. Let's say you had you were the two and you're going to play the 49ers in round one. And now you got to go play the Buccaneers in round two. Yep. Versus playing no one in round one and playing Dallas in round two. Like or, every, or everyone in Matthew or, Stafford's last Or Angeles Matthew Rams. Stafford. Exactly, exactly. And so now that would require Matthew Stafford to win a big game. And I'll believe that when I see it. So, you know, that's, that's, you know, another part of this, maybe, maybe you want to be the four and play the Rams in the first round. I I think there are probably some Packer fans who'd rather see the Rams and the 49ers in the first round, frankly, just because of what the scar tissue is and what, what, um, you know, our, our brains do to us in these moments, but it's important because not having to win a game is just everything in a season where, we have essentially unprecedented upheaval. And you look at the numbers last year, offense is down across the board. Um, defense is down across the board. Like every, everyone's just worse at everything. And that, that brings everyone. Usually you have a couple teams who are, if you're, if you're watching this, like on, on the end points, the really bad teams and the really good teams, everyone is just sort of more in here than they, than they normally are. And, that creates more uncertainty and you just want to eliminate that as much as possible. And the health factor, like you mentioned, is right. one, one fewer game to play and potentially a game that you might not have David Bakhtiari for a game that you might not have Zadarius Smith for a game that you might not have Jair Alexander for. If you push that out one more week, maybe you get those guys back. We don't know what their status is right now as we record this. Right. And if you get a, you know, COVID is the beast of it all. Right. And you could have one swab take out Rashawn Gary or Kenny Clark or or somebody like that. And now if you're not playing very similar to Devondre Campbell, Devondre Campbell test positive is expected to be back in the building later this week is going to be able to play if everything holds up here in the next couple of days. And not only that, a player is injured, say a player gets hurt in week 17. Now he's got that full week to recover or he just doesn't have to play in a game where football by its very nature puts people in harm's way. So now I know I say this in last year, David Bakhtiari had a freak injury in practice, right? But that's just way less likely to happen than it is. What happened to Bakhtiari in practice is far less likely to happen than what happened to Elton Jenkins in Minnesota. Right. So getting that one seed to me and not just that, like, like you mentioned, there is no big bad team that you need to be afraid of or anything like that. But if you can avoid Tom Brady until the NFC championship game and let the Cardinals and the Bucks beat the piss out of each other while you're playing the nice. Rams to the Cowboys, you want that. And not just that, you want Brady and company coming to Green Bay instead of having to go to Tampa Bay to play that game whenever. Well, it is. and and remembering that Tampa was a Jared Cook fumble away from going down in round 2 because they were getting they were getting handled by New Orleans. Yes, they were. And Jared Cook is he makes a catch that is going to be a first down and they're driving and they're going to put the game away. If they score any points on that drive, instead it's a fumble Tampa Bay flips the game and, and new Orleans was a little shell shocked. 
Um, you know, if you listen to Locked On Packers yesterday, you you heard Aaron Schatz talk about momentum and maybe it exists, maybe it doesn't. Um, it certainly felt like in that game that that play swung the whole, potentially the whole playoffs because of of what it did for for Tampa Bay. They go in they're They're a much worse matchup, I thought, for for Green Bay than than New Orleans was. I think I think Green Bay beats New Orleans in the NFC Championship game by ten. Two scores, yeah. Um, with with you know the the al dente arm of Drew Brees, it, it, I think that would have been a much different story. And and to your point, Zadarius Smith didn't show up for the NFC Championship game. Two straight, by the way, that he hasn't. He's no showed. Devontae Adams dropped the touchdown. Aaron Rodgers missed MVS on a touchdown. Uh, MBS, um, uh, friend of the show because he's part of the the game on network, right? Like they, their best players did not play their best games except for Jair Alexander. Jair Alexander was unbelievable. Um, even Elton Jenkins didn't have a great game. Corey Lindsley, all pro, didn't have a great game. Their best guys didn't show up when they needed them to. And I don't know about you, man, but like this team feels different it, because they've, they've, battled this year in a way that they didn't have to last year. This feels like this team has some scars and maybe it's just because 96 and 2010, the Packers had scars going into the playoffs that it galvanized them a little bit. Maybe that's just like how anyone who watches the Packers feels like they need to be. But I feel like the fact that they've done it this way makes it more likely that they're going to be able to overcome adversity such that um, they, they can overcome it and win games later in the year. Like if they have to win a game late with Josh Neidman at right, like left tackle, I think that they can do it last year. I would have, I would have been completely unsure that they could have done that. And they were unsure of that. If you watch, I think so. Watch Rick Wagner walk off the field of last year's NFC championship game. He is dragging one of his legs behind him. And the reason he gutted it out and gave that team everything he had because they were him not playing away from playing Josh Neidman at right tackle. One right. position he's never played in the NFL. Two, he hadn't played at all in any game of significance last year. So I'd like your point about adversity because last year Green Bay just blew everyone away. When they won, it was they get the ball, they go down the field, they score, they get the team to punt, they might get a turnover, and it's two-score game right off the jump, and they're right. kind of coasting. This year, not that. They get blown out in week one. They're losing to the Detroit Lions at halftime. Come out right. and end up blowing people, them. People away. forget. People forget. Hashtag. End up blowing them away. They have to get a 37 second drive to beat the San Francisco 49ers. Which, if that game were played today, I don't know if Crosby would put the ball through the uprights. But that's a separate topic. They sur- survive a barrage of missed field goals against Cincinnati, both their own and Cincinnati's. And then you have, of course, what I think right now is the moment of the season, where they're in Arizona with Randall Cobb you and me playing wide receiver. Yeah. And, and I played eight, well. I did not. So that's good to know that you did because I did not. I think you caught a couple passes. So that was good yep. to see you get a couple balls from 12. Yep. But Rasul Douglas, I promise you, if I put truth serum into every Packers fan, when Kyler Murray got that team inside the 50, they're like, okay, just let them score and let's see if Rodgers can get them back down the field. Or when they get inside the 10 and there's almost I no might have, I might have sent that to the group text. He might have. He did. And when he's inside the 10, it's, well, Arizona won. Okay, valiant effort. You were writing your talking points for tomorrow's Lockdown Packers. It was valiant effort, but they just didn't have enough guns to win that game. And then they did. Rasul Douglas might be, everybody pisses all over Brian Gutekunst. Rasul Douglas might be the midseason acquisition of the season 
And that's Rasul Douglas. Like, we're not talking about Stephon Gilmore or Odell Beckham Jr. or Von Miller. Not that those guys have gone anywhere else during the course of the season. It's Rasul Douglas, a league average cornerback when they signed him, just rotting away on a practice squad. And right now, to the point where if and when Jair Alexander comes back, you're talking about if they're playing base, which they don't do a lot of, but if they were, is Rasul Douglas starting over Eric Stokes? Because I think he should be. And that's that's an incredible conversation considering the draft capital and how well Stokes has played this year, save for one performance against Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson does that to almost everyone he faces. So there's a lot going on there, but I think this Packers team, I like the point you made there about just being able to overcome that adversity that they didn't have to last year. And maybe they will be able to when they get to a playoff setting where things aren't, even the Rams game last year, they never trailed. And I don't know how you felt, but I never felt that game was in doubt. Even when it was 25, it's 25, 18, they get the ball and they hit Lazard for a deep touchdown. But even before that, I was like, green Bay is going to win. Like the Rams are not going to shut this Packers offense out for the rest of the game is basically what they would have had to do. And they couldn't do it. And that's why the Packers won. And then Tampa Bay, obviously a bunch of adversity and weren't able to close that gap. You talked about the injured guys. Matt LaFleur used the word potentially this week as far as getting David Bakhtiari and Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith back to practice this week. Marcus Eversall of WDUZ asked me today, of those players coming back, you can only pick one. Who's your one? It's a hard oh, question. Oh <laughs> man. I think I, I like I I think the guy that makes the most impact on this team is David Bakhtiari. But oh, crap. I think I said I think I said Jair Alexander a couple weeks ago. I had Lily Zhao on locked on Packers, and I said I think I'll make the case that that it's Jair Alexander, that he's the most impactful player coming back. And so I'm going to stick with David Bakhtiari. The more that I've watched this team, the more that I think that they can get they can get by with the cornerback play that they're getting. I think it's going to be much harder later in the year to deal with pressure because Aaron Rodgers um, has just not been good um, when dealing with pressure this year, and and the run the run game has been bad because or not bad the run game is not bad. There's I think there's 12th by DVOA, um, but it hasn't been as good as we thought it would be because the run blocking has just not been good at all. And I think David Bakhtiari would be a big lift in that. I think that it opens up a lot of things for the offense that they they don't currently have. I think they would probably be more interested in play action, play action shot plays. I think that stuff would all be on the menu in a way that it's not right now. And it's because of David Bakhtiari. Um, so that's that's where I'm going to go. I think I think by far, I, like I think it's those two guys are like one A one B, and Zadarius Smith is like four. Which isn't to say that Zadarius isn't important, obviously, because no, it's, it, I just think the the gap in the the delta in who's playing versus who's not. Like if Zadarius Smith isn't out there, it means Rashawn Gary is playing eighty five percent of snaps, which like cool, he's a star. And Preston Smith has played well enough. Jonathan Garvin, Tippa Galea shows up. Or I'm sorry, it's Tippa Naliai. I was screwing up his name. I had to learn long. myself too. Yeah. And I was so used to saying it, it the other way that they're getting enough. Plus Kenny Clark is an ass kicker. Like they're getting enough from those other guys. 
it's it's hard to it's hard to say okay well if you're going to go into a playoff game against Tom Brady um that Eric Stokes and Russell Douglas is going to be enough or that you're going into a playoff game uh, against um you know uh, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett and Joe Tryon that that Josh Nijman is going to be enough um I think it's more likely that that you need David Bakhtiari than those other guys I went with Alexander and it was with the same sort of thought process you just had. So I am of the belief that the Packers and the Bucks are on a collision course. I'm and too. I said when, and I said when the season started, every team has to like in the nineties, if you're an NBA fan and in the Eastern conference fan of not the Chicago bulls, the team you wanted quote unquote to beat was the bulls. And the team you had to beat was the bulls. The Pacers had their shots. They couldn't do it. The Knicks had their shots without Michael Jordan and couldn't do it. They did without Michael Jordan once, but that has a very obvious asterisk next to it since Jordan did not play. I think Tampa Bay has the best passing game in the NFL statistically. That's Mike Evans. That's Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski. And I'll believe they're going to cut Antonio Brown when I see it, even though that would be an obvious decision in my opinion, but I do not run the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he's going to play. And when he plays, he's very good or at least still pretty good. You need those guys. And if you're running out against those receivers with Alexander and Douglas and Stokes, that is a much better matchup situation than what you were in a year ago with Alexander, Kevin King, famously from that game. I don't need to go over it. And Shannon Sullivan, who I think is a nice player as long as he's not overexposed. Right. So if they don't have to overexpose them and they don't, if they get Alexander back, then I think that's where they're in the best shape. But I have a hard time arguing against David Bakhtiari and even to some degree, Zadarius Smith, because if you can run pass rush reps with Z Preston and Rashawn Gary with Kenny Clark. Yeah. Then maybe been, it doesn't matter who who is covering back there. And that's been the equalizer against Brady in those big games, save for the Eagles game where he lit them on fire. The Eagles just scored enough points, but you look at those giants games, you look at that Titans game where they lost playoff games. They've lost Brady's been hit and he's been hit a lot. And, or at least uncomfortable. And I don't know if the Packers have enough guys to make them make him uncomfortable because at this time last year, Preston Smith, not having a good year, Zadarius Smith having a, a good year, but not as good as he was in 2019. Didn't play well in the championship game. Like, you know, and Rashawn Gary wasn't Rashawn Gary yet. Now Rashawn Gary is maybe at the peak of his power. Preston Smith has been a monster the last three games he's played in. And Zadarius Smith, you still imagine, the crazy part is as much we're talking about Gary, he could be the best pass rusher on this team. Right. And Kenny Clark's having an all pro season. So I say all that say, I hope they get all three back because as uh, a friend of this show once said, if they get all three of those guys back, they're the favorite to win the Super Bowl, not the NFC, the Super Bowl. That was Peter Bukowski, by the way, Uh, locked on Packers. You can follow that. Your team every day, locked on Packers at Peter underscore Bukowski. I'm Jacob Westendorf. This is, the pick six podcast, the Packers are coming off of a buy and in Matt LaFleur, like there's the Andy Reed stat, right? I think Reed either still hasn't lost or has only lost like one game coming out of the buy in his entire, yeah, he's career, unbelievable, which is phenomenal because those Eagles teams weren't always that good. Like there were some that were very, very good, but not always as great as maybe their record said they were. And Kansas city hasn't been Kansas city his entire time uh, in that town either. LaFleur out of the bye, not as much. 0-2, oh, 
a weird game against the Chargers where that was the first time we ever heard the no energy. We weren't ready to play. Juice. Juice. All that stuff that seems to come out anytime the Packers have lost a game under Matt LaFleur. And it's still one of the most, there's things anytime you're watching a head coach and you see them kind of grow into their role, there's things you learn to like. And the things I do like about Matt LaFleur is he's very accountable. He's willing to admit, yeah, I'd like to have that one back or I made a mistake here or something like that. And there's things you learn not to like with Mike McCarthy. By the time of his career, anytime he said, it's like anything, I drove my head through a brick wall (laughs) with Matt Nagy in Chicago. It's find the why every bear fan that hears him say, find the why wants to drive their head through a brick wall. Well, with LaFleur, it's the no energy thing. How the hell do you not have energy to play in an NFC championship game, which they mentioned a season opener? which they've also mentioned in a season where this year we've talked about, it could be the end. It could not be. We'll talk about that at the end of the show. The other time they came off the bye was last year against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and they got smoked 38 to 10 was the final score of that game. It was green Bay led early and then Rogers threw a pick six. And then it was, you want to talk about a game where it felt like a team was shell shocked. That was where it felt like the Packers were shell shocked because Rogers just doesn't throw interceptions that are returned for touchdowns. And he almost threw two. And if not for a tackle on the goal line, he would have thrown two. So I think he returned that all the way to the two-yard line. And then Jamel Dean obviously did have a pick six. The entire game changes there. Right. Now, they've won both games off of the bye in the playoffs. Obviously beat Seattle a couple years ago, and last year beat the Rams. I lead all that in to say, does this Lafleur after the bye thing matter, or do you say this time it's different because it's Chicago – at home and a team that as the quarterback once said has owned all of his bleeping life. Um, uh, it's noise. It's just noise to me. Um, and small sample size and all that stuff. Like Andy Reed is 19 and three in his career. I just looked it up on the coming off the bye. That's, That's that is unbelievable. And, and 22 games is a small sample size really, but, you know, we're talking about 22 years of, of that's a season and a different quarter quarterbacks for those right? at home, different quarterbacks, different teams, different schedules, everything. And he's been that good. And I think that speaks to his coaching prowess. I think the playoff ones are more important to me because you spend two weeks in the playoffs when you have a playoff by preparing for that game. And what has Matt LaFleur done in both of those games? Against Seattle, it was the Tyler Urban package where he had a group of run plays for Tyler Urban that seemingly all worked. They had two specials for Devontae Adams off double moves. Both of them scored touchdowns. Mm-hmm. That is what you have to do in the playoffs. You, you go back to the Rams game. They knew that if they kept running and running and stayed patient, that they were going to have the shot play at the end. They called the shot play twice to Alan Lazard, and it worked twice, and he dropped the first one. Has there been a more disappointing player this year than Alan Lazard? Just not to completely change gears. Lazard's but... my guy, and, and I hate to see it, but he I, I expected a lot more of him this year. But but to my point, um, they come out, and they, they we see that two-back RPO set. Aaron Jones, the swing motion, A.J. Dillon, you either have the inside give on the RPL or you have the, the swing screen. That That is a wrinkle that they created for the playoff run. And that is more important to me than 
going to San Diego in a soccer stadium and playing an AFC opponent and not having the juice for that game. I, eh, I don't really care about that. They came out with good intensity against Tampa Bay. They led that game. I, I think it was 10 nothing, wasn't it? 10 nothing. 10 nothing with the ball. And they lost they, 37 and they lost 37 to 10 or whatever it was. I, I Aaron Rodgers said after the game that that was an aberration. That was an aberration. I, what what I care about is in the playoffs, what is it what does it show? And to me it shows that this team is capable of creating a game plan, putting in the specials, scouting your opponent and being able to maximize your personnel. That's what I care about. I don't care if the Packers don't come out with anything new for the Bears. They should be able to beat the Bears with a vanilla preseason game plan uh, and and a B-minus game from the team. They're just better. They um, already did. They already did do right, that. Right, exactly. being honest. And so go do that again. And and maybe maybe you have a B-plus effort this time because you're coming off a bye, you're healthy, and you want to beat the crap out of the Bears. I said this on my show today. The Packers do not have that ass-kicking yet. And if they're a Super Bowl team, and you and I both think they're a Super Bowl-caliber team, then you have to start beating some asses and they haven't done it yet. If you think that that's what they are, then then this is one of those games where they pull a 2014 and it's 41-17 or it's something like that. You have a game or a team that's playing for nothing with a head coach who is planning his Mexico vacation and you have a team playing for a Super Bowl. You should beat the crap out of this Bears team. And a coach who, again, reportedly might be getting fired at the end of this game. Is there anything more wild than that whole Detroit thing that happened before Thanksgiving? Well, and it was it was so predictable that they were going to win. Yes. Like the, the Bears have been getting fat off, off Lions dubs in the entire Matt Nagy era. And it was just like every time th- things are going bad, they beat the Lions and they write the ship. And all of a sudden it's like, OK, well, here come the Bears again. And it's like, no, they beat the Lions. Like, who gives a shit? But. The Vikings would have liked to have beaten the Lions, I suppose. There's, but you know what? I'll give the Vikings, I give the Vikings credit. They won the Super Bowl in November a few weeks ago, (laughs) beating the Packers at the buzzer, and then have proceeded to lose two games straight. And now the stakes for this game are if Minnesota loses on Thursday night against Pittsburgh, and they could, I have no idea if the Steelers are good or how they're good, but they've won six games, (laughs) they've won more games than they've lost. And that is why I think Mike Tomlin should be in the coach of the year conversation because Ben Roethlisberger is a course. He sucks. And ben, ben is going to be a hall of famer and is a two-time Super Bowl champion, three-time participant. He's, he was a very good quarterback. He's not anymore. And the Steelers, the Vikings though, like I remember after the Packers lost to the Vikings, everybody on the internet was like, Oh, here come the Vikings. And they could be one game behind green Bay. If green Bay loses against LA and the Vikings can beat the Niners. And then Kirk Cousins famously, as he says, lined up under, or excuse me, got under the wrong man, which come on, Kurt, like, did you not think about what you were saying before you said it? There's no, right. That's an Aaron Alice dream quote. I was just, I was all I could think of. That is an Aaron dream quote right there, but the Packers are playing the bears off of the buy. And that is where this leads to me is that one, for whatever reason, Green Bay is always vastly motivated to beat Chicago. Yep. And Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you saw how much this meant to him when he played against Chicago and talked glowingly about talking to Justin Fields about the Bears and Packers rivalry. And Rodgers is a football historian, and there's a lot of weird things about him, but that is undeniably factual. When he shouted, I still own you and all that stuff, that's something he's thought about and something he cares about. 
And I think that's something he's going to care about on Sunday night, which leads me here into my next point is bet online has the Packers as a 13 point favorite. Mm. And, and that's a lot. It's a lot. Is it, is it enough? I think it is because any line that gets over two touchdowns, you start to worry and it's still a rivalry game and we don't know who the quarterback is. So I think, I think part of the risk is built in there. I think if, if like, if we got on Wednesday that David Bakhtiari was going to play in this game or Jair Alexander is back at practice on Thursday, I think the line probably moves like a full point, even if it shouldn't, I think the line probably moves. So um, I, I do worry about big lines and rivalry games. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like a, a 27 to 17 kind of game. I still think the Packers win by double digits. Um, but I, I get where it's at. Um, that being said, I was, I got a text from a, a bears fan friend of mine who was like, I think that's too many. And I was like, well, I, who's, who's betting the bears at plus 12 in this game? Like what? What is the case for the Bears to do anything differently than the first game, do anything differently than they've done all year and and spring an upset? I mean, it would take, you know, an act of God and you, you might get one because this is football and, and shit happens. And, you know, the Jets won a game this year and the Lions won a game this year. And, you know, the Titans lost to the Jets and uh, and Washington beat Tampa Bay and and. Nick Foles beat the Buccaneers last year when they won the Super Bowl. Like weird stuff can happen, but by all rights, this game should be in that two score range. And um, I, I don't know that that I I would bet the Packers to cover, but that might be an emotional hedge. I, in general, try to stay away from double-digit spreads just because of garbage time. And I can't right. tell you how many times I've been winning and then lost off of a late... Like, if I had bet the Bucks on Sunday and the Falcons receiver holds on to that touchdown at the end, he drops a touchdown at the end of the game, you lose that bet for a score that is completely insignificant. The Kirk Cousins special, right? Oh, yeah. The touchdown that means nothing to the final outcome, but it looks nicer if you lose 30 to 24 instead of 30 to 17. Right. And it helps so your EPA I, and your passer rating, which good for them. And I, I think it's in the right spot, but that leads into my final point here. And that's the prediction for this game. Now I will point out the last time I had Peter on the show, we both picked the Packers to beat the saints and that undeniably did not happen. So we have a lot more information this time. We do. And like you mentioned, the Packers won with a B minus game the last time they played the Bears. And in my opinion, are undeniably better than they were. I know they don't have Elton Jenkins and I know they've lost a few other guys, but Isaac Yadam's not going to start the game. So that in itself is a big win. Two, Aaron sure. Rodgers is playing at a different level since midway through the second quarter against minute, the last six and a half quarters. He's been MVP. Aaron Rodgers. Yep. And I really think this offense, and you've talked about this a lot, they know what it looks like when they've hit their stride. Yeah. And I think they're starting to hit their stride on offense. So who better to fully hit their stride on offense than a Bears defense without Khalil Mack, probably without Akeem Hicks, and a bunch of dudes at corner and Jalen Johnson, who I think is a good player, but he's going to cover Devontae Adams. So how much can you really slow down Devontae Adams? You mentioned that the Packers need an ass kicking. I think this game is ripe for that. 
Yeah. I had a, I I had a friend of mine send me a text say that's too many points. I said, green Bay covers far and away. I will not bet this, but I think green Bay wins 42 to 10. I, I just, it's a night game. It's at Lambeau. They're rested. They're off the bye. Maybe they get a shot in the arm with one of those guys back. But even if they don't get one of those guys back, like Eric Stokes can handle Darnell Mooney. And I like Darnell Mooney's a nice player, but he's still just Darnell Mooney, who's right. a good receiver. And they have it's also else. going to be freezing cold. It is going to be brutally cold from here on out, basically. I mean, it was minus one in Green Bay yesterday. Um, and a, a team that has nothing to play for, you get out to a 10, nothing lead, a 14, three lead. It's over. Like that's, that's the thing. And so look, I don't want to turn this into some sort of like dancing on the graves of a team that hasn't died yet, but I, I think it's going to be like 30 to 13, 30 to 17, that kind of thing. Like, I do think it's going to be an ass kicking, a game that never feels in doubt but that ultimately the score makes it seem like, you know, the bears were frisky, but they weren't like, I just, the, the bears were kind of frisky last week against the Cardinals, but I do, I do, frankly don't think the Cardinals are as good as the Packers. I just don't. And by the way, we saw it and the Packers beat them with their, with their like C squad on a short week on the road on a Thursday night when, when no road teams went on Thursday nights. So I, I think green Bay, it's going to be at least as big a game as it was the first time. And they won by double digits the first time. So it's it's a it's a thirty to thirteen game. It's a thirty to seventeen game. Um, I do th- I do think the Packers will cover, but to your point, I will not bet them to cover. I will also point out that when it's frigid like that, this could be that game where you have AJ, AJ Dillon is a guy who is undraftable, but tests your will as a tackler. <laughs> tests your will as a tackler. And I think there, there's going to be a game in the winter, whether it's this one against Minnesota in January, against the Browns on Christmas Day, or maybe even a playoff game, yeah. where A.J. Dillon has his Marshawn Lynch, LeGarrett Blunt type highlight run where he just bounces off of dudes for a 40-yard score because they're just throwing shoulders and forearms at him. We kind of saw it against the Seahawks. I mean, we have a 50-yard catch and run on that play, 40 yards and something like that, so... I mean, we're going to, we're going to see more of it. We saw it against, we saw him truck Taylor Rapp. I think it was against the Rams to pick up a, a late first down. I mean, he is, and, and uh, my, my colleague at the leap, Jason Hirschman wrote about this today at the leap. Like he has ascended to a level that we had not seen from AJ Dillon and, and Dillon has been so much more valuable so far in a pure productivity standpoint than Jamal Williams had been. Um, I just, it's, he is going to be such a weapon for this team coming down the stretch. I'm I'm really excited to see in a game like this against, frankly, the, a small back end for, for Chicago. Um, Aaron, chill out on that one too. But uh, like Roquan Smith, not a big guy. Like AJ Dillon is bigger than Roquan Smith. He's bigger than their linebackers. Is anyone going to want to tackle this guy? I don't think so. Are the Packers better on offense with AJ Dillon. And I know that sounds like weird to say, but that's a take that's gaining some steam than with Aaron Jones. I will say this while I let you think with the group in front of him, John Runyon, Jr. Lucas Patrick. And I think this is the key point. I know exactly what you're going to say. You, you need, and I think Aaron Jones is, is excellent at making guys miss, but it's not about that right now. 
it is about like running dudes over is what he's had to do. And he turns every run into four yards or five yards, no matter what. He doesn't have the home run hitting ability of Aaron Jones. He can't run routes like Aaron Jones. I don't think the offense is better exclusively, but I do think it is better the more the more balance they have, in part because they can be great on the field together. I want to see more of the RPO looks with, with Dylan in the backfield and Jones split out wide. I think they can kill defenses with that. We haven't seen it much at all. I think it's going to be, I think that's one of their trump cards that they're waiting to play at the end of the year. And maybe we start to see it here on Sunday. And you saw it last year, that final game of the season, they ran a bunch of those RPOs with AJ Dillon and they threw a bunch of them to Aaron Jones. Right. And then in the playoff game, they move Jones in motion. It moves the linebackers out and it's literally five on four. And AJ Dillon is your sixth guy running the ball. So they ran the ball very, or whether it was Jones or Jamal, it didn't really matter. Right. The Packers ran for damn near 200 yards against the Rams last year. A lot of it because of those looks that they were able to give. You mentioned, I know we've gone over our six topics, but whatever. You mentioned that we have more information this time around. Yep. And we do. So we also have more information regarding Aaron Rodgers and his situation and what's coming up. So I may not speak with you on this platform before February. Or March. What's your well, I, gut? I hope that's not true, but. Well, <clears throat> you'll certainly be invited back whenever you'd like, but you just never know. But what is your gut feeling right now as to whether 12 wants? Because my take is if 12 wants to be in Green Bay, figure that out, which they've talked about. They offered him a record setting extension this offseason and figure out the rest. Do the rest after that. If he wants to be here. But that's a huge if. Yeah. And I've said it to fans on my Twitter timeline a bunch when I kind of make the joke of Jerry Judy is going to be an excellent Packer or Green Bay should trade up for Aiden Hutchinson. And somebody says, how are they going to get him? And then I post a gif of Aaron Rodgers. If 12 doesn't want to be here, then this isn't a discussion. But do you think he does? I, I six months ago, I didn't. Um. And, and coincidentally, I think the Bears game solidified for me that he does. And I think that, I think, look, this is, this is fraught for a lot of reasons. It was easy in Hawaii with Miles Teller and, and your fiance and, you know, ayahuasca or whatever else that they had there um, to say, you know, I, I'm not coming back. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to hold the line and, and fuck this team. That would have been easy for them to, for him to say, once you decide to come back because you realize they're not going to trade you, because by the way, the Packers had all the leverage and he was not going to give up tens of millions of dollars and sit just was never going to happen. He can say whatever he wants. It's not about the money. He came back because it's about the money. The, the camaraderie, the, the locker room, Devon, being with Devontae Adams, beating, and, and that's the thing, beating the Bears and feeling that I, God, there's nothing like beating the Bears. That's the thing that I think for me made, made, it, made it clear that he does want to be here, that he wants to continue to feel these feelings with these guys and have the opportunity to continue to own the Bears. It's why after the game, he said he didn't feel like this was it. I mean, this is that was the clearest indication he's given yet that he wants to be back, that he intends to be back. Is 
he he said after that game, I didn't feel like this was the last time I was going to be in this rivalry as a Packer. And I agree with you. I think that was one point that he's made. I think that when he talked about after he came back and after the press conference heard around the world, not the one on the Pat McAfee show, the first one, when he basically lit the team on fire in public. And I feel bad for Aaron Popke and, and anybody else in the PR group for the Packers that had to like set that fire out. When he talked about how it was special to be the only quarterback to make it 17 seasons. And he's talked in the past about how important it is to play with one. Kobe Bryant gets nationally overrated as an all-time great because he played all of his seasons with the Lakers. We ignore the fact that he said he would play on Pluto at one point before he would play for the Lakers again because he finished his career with one team. I think Rodgers knows that. Yeah. And the, and the point you made, he's not going to go to Denver and feel those feelings against the Raiders or the Chiefs or name your team. Or if he goes to Miami and does it against the Patriots or just name your other team that he might get traded to. He's not going to feel that against those rivals. The only way he would feel that again is if the Packers traded him to Minnesota, which uh, let's see, no reports of snowballs in hell. So that's not happening. Even I, Florio hasn't made that one up. And it's only a matter of time. Now, granted, Mike Florio smell spells game on Wisconsin, New York post. And I still am working on his editing skills for that, but <laughs> that is, that is what it is at this point on that side of things. But yes, Florio hasn't made that up. Nobody has made that up right now. It's the Steelers to where my response is why the hell would the Packers, unless they're getting TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick and two future firsts, then, and the Steelers aren't going to do that deal. Why would green Bay trade him there? And I think that I actually am in the spot right now on December 7th at eight 45 PM central time, that it's more likely that Aaron Rodgers retires at the end of the season then Green Bay trades him. Now I would tell you retirement is the worst option for the Packers, because if you're a Packers fan or a Packers executive, you want two things. One, you want him to be your quarterback for the next five years. Two, you want to be able to trade him for a King's ransom, but you don't want to have to do all the salary cap gymnastics. You're going to have to do get nothing back from Aaron Rodgers and start Jordan love with a relatively pared down team at this point remains right. to be seen what that team will look like uh, in the future. So I'm interested to see how this pans out. You know, if they win the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If he said on the podium, I'm done, I'm going home. I'm going to, you know, do the Peyton Manning or the John Elway or whatever it is you want to do. And maybe from a fan feeling standpoint, that's better than watching him play in another uniform. But I just, I don't have those feelings. Like I remember when they drafted Jordan Love, I said something along the lines to some of the Rogers fanboys on Twitter. Like if, if Joe Montana and Johnny Unitas and Joe Namath and Tom Brady can play in other uniforms and Peyton Manning and the list goes on, then Aaron Rodgers can too, but I'm just not sure that he's going to. And I think the Packers know that. And the other big key point that I'd like to get your take on this is I don't know that Brian Gutekunst fully grasped what he was doing when he took Jordan Love. I think he understood most of it, but I don't think he fully understood what all of this was going to mean and what it was all going to set in motion. But I also think he knows if he bets on Aaron Rodgers and loses, nobody's going to blame him. He'll get a chance to pick another quarterback. If he bets on Jordan Love, and let's say Green Bay goes 5-12 and 12 next year and Rodgers lights it up and is just awesome, 
That's why this offseason, when Jason Locke and Fora wrote the story that Matt LaFleur could be on the hot seat and everybody was like, oh my God, how could Matt LaFleur be on the hot seat? I don't think it's a likely scenario, but what if Green Bay's three and nine right now with Jordan Love? Isn't it possible that Mark Murphy could say, you know what? You guys did a real good job here, but this divorce was just horrendous. We handled it as poorly as possible. And we're just going to start over with a new group of guys here at the general manager and the head coaching position, because the GM is going to pick his head coach. So I know I said a lot there, but what are your thoughts on Brian Gutekunst basically picking Aaron Rodgers for the purposes of job security? So I, I, I think the Packers knew what they were doing when they drafted Jordan love. I think they thought rightly they could deal with whatever it was. I don't think they thought Rogers would go nuclear the way that he did and the way that, that Rogers capers will insist that he didn't, even though we know he did. Um, but they, they know that they hold the cards here. And so if Rogers wants to be dealt next off season, they get to deal him and they get to, they get to play their guy and they get their, their King's ransom. If Rogers wants to stay, then they get to do the no lose proposition of extending him allowing him to retire a Packer. And as you, as you mentioned, Brian Utikins gets to say, Hey, Rogers wanted to stay. We wanted to keep him. And so we did, and we did what we had to do to make that happen. And we traded Jordan love and we got a second round pick from Pittsburgh and we're really happy about it. Um, so I think when they, when they did it, they went, yeah, this is the best player on the board. They loved him. Matt LaFleur can say whatever he wants. He loved Jordan love. And they, they, they had at least a good idea of that this was going to play out this way because they felt like they were in enough control. And by the way, they are in enough control in this situation. Um, I, I, I think retirement is on the table for Rodgers. I think if they win the Super Bowl, though, why wouldn't you come back? Now, it, it, I guess b- the answer would be because it requires all kinds of salary cap stuff. But if he's going to retire, unless it is in part an FU retirement, you'd want him to rework the deal and and you do the thing that Drew Brees did and it'd be a June one thing, but then they couldn't use any of that space until June one and all the stuff that the saints had to deal with as well. So retirement to your point is not a, is not a great situation unless what you're saying is, well, if, if you win the super bowl, then it's sort of like, who cares? Cause if you win the super bowl, Brian Gutekinds and Matt LaFleur are golden for the next 10 years and you have the runway to figure it out with Jordan love after that. So there's, there's, there are a lot of possibilities. I think most of them are good for Green Bay because even if it doesn't work out, then, and Rodgers wants to keep playing, then you trade him, you get a bunch of stuff, and you still have a very good, very young roster with one of the best coaches in the league and a very good GM to figure it out moving forward. I do think that we can agree that one thing that will not happen is Aaron Rodgers will not come into next season on the same contract. No, it will, will not, not be. A he link. will be traded or he will be extended. Those are the only options. Yep. So the fork in the road hits on, you know, if the Super Bowl is on February 13th, the fork in the road hits the day the new league year starts and the right. Packers I'm about a month later. And that is where the, the Rogers camp gets some leverage because if he doesn't want to be there, the Packers cannot call his bluff for an entire off season, right? Because then he feasibly could do the Carson Palmer thing or the Le'Veon Bell thing where he comes back in the middle of the year and maybe the pack, I don't know. There's a lot of things that can happen there. None of them are good. 
None of them are good if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get extended or traded at the start of the year, assuming he wants to play. But that is another topic for another day. He is Peter Bukowski. I'm Jacob Westendorf. You can catch him. Locked on Packers, the leap. Go subscribe. I am a subscriber. I know people don't like to pay for journalism, pay for news, whatever the phrasing that you want to use on that is. But I can promise you it's what, Peter, six bucks a month? Like, it's, it's three if you get the year subscription. It is so insignificant that I don't even notice when it comes out of my bank account. That is how insignificant that it is. You get stuff from him. You get stuff from Jason Hirshhorn and maybe some other fun people along the way as well. And of course, Locked on Packers every single day talking Green Bay Packers. Locked on today if you are a full-fledged sports fan and want to listen to every single thing. Basically, if you hit Google and type in Peter Bukowski, you can hear his voice all day, every single day. Uh, Peter, one quick question I do have. It's about 24 days away from Alabama, Cincinnati, and then Michigan versus Georgia. Who's winning the college football playoff? Alabama. Yeah, that feels like the <laughs> – it's one of those, it's like that's the easy answer, but like it's probably the right What one. am I going to say? Like they're the favorites. Are they going to play Are they going to play Georgia? Yeah, I think so. But I, I think Michigan Georgia is a great game. And I think I actually think Alabama Cincinnati is going to be an entertaining game for a half. So I think it's going to be a really good playoff. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it as well. I'm also a fan of one of the teams. So I will be happy to tell you that you were wrong when go blue. Go, I'm, I'm all with it. I'm all with it. So Alabama should have been ranked number one. Is that your is that your stance as well? I mean, I, I, Georgia being ranked number one for the SEC championship game made sense. Um, and then they lost to Alabama. So that's how it works. I guess my rebuttal would be Michigan won 42 to three. Why do they not get to move up? Is it just because it was Iowa and yes. Alabama played Georgia? Correct. Yeah, that's, that's fair. I don't have a problem with my thought on it as a, from a fandom standpoint is if Michigan wants to win a national championship, they're going to have to beat Alabama or Georgia anyways. So you might as well get Georgia. And not only that, if I could have drawn it up at the beginning of the season, well, one, I wouldn't have had them lose to Michigan State. But if I could draw it up from October 30th onward, beating Ohio State the way they did, blowing Iowa away, then beating Georgia, and then Alabama, two SEC teams to win an about Astros. as good as it takes. There is no fan base more arrogant than the SEC football fan. And it's earned. I understand that. They are the best conference in football far and away and only getting better as Oklahoma, even without Lincoln Riley headed to town there, but it would be awesome. I can tell you that much. He's Peter Bukowski. I'm Jacob Westendorf. Check us out next week. I will be next week previewing Packers and Ravens with the only person that is a bigger Metallica fan than myself, Ian Kenyon of Bleacher Report. So be sure to check that out next week. Check us out. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, grab some of our merchandise. You can order it today. If you're listening on December 8th and guarantee it for Christmas. The Our Coach is Hotter Than Your shirt is very popular. You're going to want to grab one of those. You can grab, we have one that says our fans are hotter than yours. And we have some general game on Wisconsin stuff as well as some from some of your favorite shows. But we're out of time. We're definitely over. Thank you guys for listening and we will see you next week. 